Hello and welcome to another inter-season episode of Sequelizers. We call them mid-season episodes. Not particularly an appropriate title, but we'll carry on with that anyway. I am your host, Jack Chambers, as always, and joining me, the other four hosts for this episode, since it's not our usual format, Mr. Alec Plowman. Drug it. Stuart Ashen. I agree. Tim Matum. Four months in the ISO cubes. And Matthew Stockton. Creeps. <laughs> oh, well, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing the entire episode in Judge Dredd. Oh, I yes. can take it. <laughs> we just never take off our helmets. Norwich isn't a radiated wasteland. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is. It kind of is. And if you hadn't already clocked on by the title of the episode and those three out of four impressions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, four out of four. Sorry, four. not every, dre- every judge has to say that. Was, that was an Anderson impression. <laughs> not, not every dread has his dad. <laughs> one of the guys not, from Britsit who just oh. stands in the background with a funny helmet on. <laughs> oh, dear. We're going to be talking about dread. And you may think, what? That's not a bad sequel to dread. Why are they talking about that? We want a sequel to dread. Yes, this is do. a film where we feel like a sequel is deserved, but it has not yet materialized. And we want to talk about why the first film is so good, why we want a sequel, and kind of some ideas about what we'd want to see from that sequel and possible potential future, because they've kind of announced a couple of things, potential stuff, not necessarily film-related, about that series and about that universe and stuff like that. And we'll talk about that as well. So, gentlemen, why do we like 2012's Dread so much? It's the best film ever. End of. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not far off. Like, I consider it one of the best films of the last, like, ten years. Yeah. I adore that movie. And I know you and your partner, Alec, are very much bonded over that film. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. a special thing in your household. It is. <laughs> we've, we've watched that a few times. <laughs> not, with, not with the kids. It's <laughs> recent. Yet. Yeah. yeah, you wait, like, eight is, like, the threshold, I think. Fair. You just take the one off. 18, yeah, it's an eight. It's fine. Yeah. Eight months, that is, <laughs> For me personally, I think it's because it was a surprise. Because when it was being filmed, it was like, oh, here's the look of the new dread suits. Aren't they fucking awful? like you know biker gear and here's some behind the scenes images oh there's lots of you know behind the scenes awkwardness with the uh then director and the cast and so on and so forth. It, you know, it's well, like, quote unquote director. Yes, yeah, we'll like, get onto it in a minute. Exactly. And everyone thought this is gonna be fucking terrible. It's another 1995 on our hands. God damn it! Film starts and in the first 15, 20 minutes, realizing, oh my god, this is good. Mm-hmm. And more than that, this is really good. I do think, in the interest of fairness, it is a little too hyped now because it's such a cult. It is becoming a cult classic, and in, in a manner of speaking. Um, so if you say, oh, this is the best film ever, what what Watch it, watch it, watch it. People go, yeah, it's all right. It's a bit straightforward. Say, like, no, 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 you don't understand. We never had a good one. This is the good one. It's like, okay, I believe you. So for me personally, the reason I think it's so good is because all the things were sort of working against it and it still turned out to be a really fantastic release. You mentioned the 1995 version there and I think it was one of those, I don't know if it was a flop. I have to guess it would be a it, flop. It didn't make yeah. Yeah. It didn't make its money back. The, the 1995, not the... Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, both, both, both yeah. money. Both, yeah. yeah. Like 1995 one was a flop, but it's some, it weirdly cast a large shadow over that property you know even though judge dread is something that's been going on for donkey's years the stallone version was so bad 
Mm. that it felt like the ground had been salted there and there was never going to be a decent version. And then when you saw, like Matt says, the behind the scenes stuff and seeing images and it was kind of like, "Mm, looks like it's a bit cheap. And and in the end, it made a virtue of like, it's not a huge budget blockbuster. It deploys its special effects very cleverly and it's obviously very limited in its locations and stuff like that. But it just uses it all so cleverly and economically that it is just this amazing little treat of a film plus it has donald gleason listening to the theme from snuffbox in it so i mean how that doesn't immediately elevate it above all other films ever made i don't know i was watching with my wife and then that came on i thought i don't understand because <laughs> i'm hearing this and i don't know if i am hearing this and I thought, no, no it definitely is from snuffbox it's crazy for those who don't know, Snuffbox is a very, very, very small British series uh, by Matt Berry and Rich Vulcher, where he sings the theme tune. And then it comes over the the waves when Donald Gleeson's character is just working on some sort of tech at something. Think, what the fuck is this doing here? It was the strangest thing. But I approve. Massive. It was Alex Garland's idea, as, yes. as we'll get on to for oh, much yeah. of this yeah, film. Garland, oh, it's yeah. good, because Alex Garland, because Alex Garland is great. Funny enough, you mentioned economics and the budgets and stuff, Tim. Both films, the 1995 Judge Dread and 2012's Dread, basically made their budget, and that's it. Like ah. The 90 million budget for 1995's made about 100 million. Yeah, not really... If you include marketing and stuff, it's that's not probably, successful. Yeah, it's not successful. And then the same thing for 2012 actually had like 30 to 40 million and made about 45 million. Not disastrous, but not the sort of thing where not they're going to be. Oh, gotta make some more of these. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. it's also the problem of the fact that Dread, the sorry, Judge Dread 1995 one was a big American studio film, whereas Dread was a mostly I think Indian financed independent film, and the idea was that the um, money came from lots of independent sources and we'll get onto that later as to why it may never happen again. I was just going to jump back to the snuffbox thing. Judge Dredd is kind of America through the lens of British satire in a lot of extent. Absolutely. There's not a huge amount of the humour in this film that is sometimes in Judge Dredd. Yeah, the comics, 2000 AD comics get wacky and weird. Yeah. yeah, Couch potato. Yeah. 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 But the inclusion of that little touch feels like one of several nods to just that weird British sensibility of, yeah, things aren't quite right here and a nod to that sense of humor that it sort of shares with snuffbox mm-hmm. for me the thing and it's interesting because i came into this as a pretty big judge dread comic book fan and somebody who had also been very disappointed with the 1995 judge dread movie which is a very compromised adaptation of that comic book and i think the 95 movie is very compromised for a couple of interesting reasons because it was originally going to be a very faithful take on the comics and they were really working on building the universe and everything else having a a hard r thematically dread-like movie and then sylvester stallone came on board and sylvester stallone had just done demolition man which was a pg-13 and up to that point had been an absolute smash for him one of his biggest ever hits so his stipulation to the 95 dread was that they tone it down massively if he was going to do it this ended up not working in their favor because this was relatively late into the day so they were trying to tone it down and the idea of pg-13 dread was really popular 
popular with licenses and stuff, but they couldn't tone it down enough because it was so late in the day, so it still came out as an R, which meant that tonally it was a weird movie because it felt like it was a movie that skewed at younger people, but it was also violent, and they lost all the licensing deals and didn't really feel like I know what it was. The thing that I like with 2012 Dread is that it takes the source material, and it doesn't just go, we're going to do a super faithful 2000 AD Judge Dread adaptation yeah. because if it did it would be completely nuts it would be off the wall but it's little hints at yeah. it and it's like they're in yeah, the background yeah exactly yeah. yeah but they took core elements of that character and the core element of what Judge Dread is and they distilled it into a really lean mean like sub two hour movie that really did what it could with that budget really made the most of it and felt like a dread movie without feeling completely slavish to the comic book which i think would have derailed it so i was really pleasantly surprised when watching it and also it just felt refreshing in a pg-13 dominated big blockbuster superhero landscape he was a really rough around the edges raw mean comic book adaptation that felt like it had come straight out of 1986 yeah because all the in-cam stuff as well made it feel like it was very much a visceral action film we hadn't seen in a long time something that felt like a throwback but also felt very new it's interesting as with judge dread and dread the 95 and the 2000 uh, that's how we're gonna have to distinguish the two is judge dread is 95 yeah. for all future reference <laughs> and dread is 2012 yeah we can't keep saying the years jd and d yeah okay um <laughs> so classic old jd it came out in the same sort of time the robocop went from being hard r very much a very visceral satirical film to a pg tv related sort of thing in the same way strange enough that spawn was coming out of the same sort of period and spawn was like can we tone it down a bit can we tone it down a bit for the kids it's like these are not things for fucking kids <laughs> i know you can sell toys to them but as i learned as we've discussed many times in the past probably will in the future about toys that are probably massively inappropriate for children such as aliens that i still had as a child not having seen a fucking alien film at all <laughs> this particular dread film d that's what i'm calling it from now on it, 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 it bucked the trend and rather than going along the lines of oh we need to make this more about you know kid friendly thing it said no 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 this is gonna be dark and i hate saying dark and gritty because it's a thing that's been sort of pirated and trampled on by pg-13 and 12a sort of films hello but dc it, universe yeah exactly but it genuinely did feel like a throwback and the problem was the throwback that came out at the same time as the raid and everyone's like oh it's just like the raid <laughs> yeah. it's like no it isn't and the raid is great as well the raid's great yeah, yeah. 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 i yeah. prefer dread to raid I come at me internet no no i do too <laughs> i do too but so uh, the problem was wasn't dread in production before the raid but came out after Correct. so everyone thought Absolutely. it was a ripoff of the yep. raid which didn't help it of course. Correct. I think it's interesting we touched on uh, that dark and gritty thing because that phrase comes up so often in people talking about films mm. in the past 15 years that it makes you want to do some kind of block for it on your computer. Mute those words on Twitter. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, ever since Batman Begins, especially with adaptations and especially with comic book adaptations, it's been this watchword. And we've had so many films come out where the filmmakers have gone, mm, yeah, we're taking a really mature, dark and gritty and serious approach to this property where it doesn't suit it you know fantastic four and teen titans tv yes, series and stuff like that and, it, and it's so completely Fuck inappropriate 
And yet this is a film where it does take what can often be an extremely hyper real universe of 2000 AD and with Mega City 1. And it does tone it down. It does make it more realistic. I'm not sure if I'd say I'll make, it makes it darker and gritty because it's already a pretty dark and gritty universe. But it certainly it does the kind of Batman Begins thing of it doesn't feel so beyond the realms of reality as the comics do. You know, the architecture is nowhere near the kind of slightly gothic mixed with punk excess that you you can see in the comics it feels much closer to reality but it does it so well with such good thinking behind it and especially because it is closed down to that like more or less one location that it just all works and it just shows that you can do that if you pick the right property and you take the right approach to it it's the when you do it in a very lazy shortcut to prestige mm. approach <laughs> that it goes completely wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the key word is grounding. Mm. Just literally ground, yeah. not yeah. making it too realistic, just grounded in a certain reality mm. or something that feels real. Yeah. And the fact, the moment where shit's just got real, all that happens is he gets shot in the back and it, and it, and it's, he finally takes a bullet wound. And it's in so many other films, that would be ridiculous that that's the thing that, oh, so, you know, so it's really going wrong here. Where actually, because it takes that grounded approach, it sells you on that thing, you know, that injury and, it's all you know i wonder what they're going to do here yeah as tim says there are some yeah crazy shit in the comics which they kind of float around in the background a bit but they've cut off things like maria is it who is judge dread's housekeeper mm. yes yeah, yeah, sort of vaguely walter the robot. yes walter the robot the comedy robot who looks after him and all things like that and they've always got those pop culture references like bryce forsooth yeah, and things like yeah. that you know and by cutting that out and making it as you say that was slightly more grounded you've ended up this use the phrase again but dark and gritty take on it which is completely fucking ruined by the marketing campaign yeah. put it forward as dread 3d yeah oh. which is probably what sank it because adults did not give a fucking shit about anaglyph 3d it's something the kids were quite enjoying and going oh look the space chimps are in 3d now because <laughs> all children talk like this now it's the law and yeah, just people watching a hard art action film don't want to be sitting there with stupid glasses on in order to get an effect that fades after oh, look at all the digital 10 blood. minutes oh, yeah, yeah and fucking most 20 percent of adults can't see it anyway because yeah. <laughs> you know eye problems or point, whatever actually. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely pointless. It, it was one of those things where you, the 3D was utilised reasonably well because of the nature of the slow-mo stuff with the dragon. That, yes. That was clever. But 3D is still a stupid fucking gimmick that we all hate, arguably. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it did add something to the, uh, ooh, drug scenes. If it hadn't faded for you by then or you didn't have a migraine or you can't see 3D anyway, it would have been quite nice. <laughs> but yeah, but don't market it as... Dr literally, yeah. the posters, Dread, Dread 3D. 3D. Yeah, so everyone think, oh, it looks like... Is that Judge Dread? I remember him. Oh, it's the kid film is it oh well, thanks guys it's alone in 3d now bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. re releasing it you you marry the memories of the 1995 judge dread with a marketing that's dread 3d and oh. you're imagining rob schneider leaping out of the screen oh, at you. Fuck <laughs> <it all. laughs> That's not a joke, guys. Rob Schneider really is in Judge Dredd. Yep. Yep. I do wonder if part of the problem that this film faced is a lack of global recognition of 2000 AD as a brand. Because 2000 AD certainly has a following in America, but it's very much a cult thing. And there have been attempts to launch 2000 AD characters into the American comic market that haven't really panned out. I think it's only now with the IDW Judge Dredd run that you're actually starting to see that happen. I 
ironically enough, on the back of this movie, there is yeah. now they something of a... did a sequel comic from yeah. IDW as well. So. I think that this is part of the issue here, is that while there is... And even in the UK, Judge Dredd has a following, but he's not Dennis the Menace or Desperate Dan. He's not one of mm. the kind of beloved cartoon characters of the... It's a very... It's a, it's kind of subculture thing. And I think that a lot of people, even in the UK, turn around and went why would you remake the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie? That movie was terrible. What's the point? Mm. I think it was a difficult sell. And I do wonder if it would have done better if it had been released post-Deadpool and post-Logan. Oh, interesting. interesting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. When there was yes. a bit more of an established Logan precedent and hard for... Logan stuff. Yeah. And, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fascinating, though, that if given all of that, and I'd agree that he doesn't have the biggest recognition necessarily, is that they didn't go with an origin story. I know there's not really a Judge Tread origin story, but they, did, they didn't go with an origin story. They don't even really pause to explain much of really what is going to the system of the judges and no, all that stuff at all. No, there's nothing of that. And it's very much, this is just another day at work. Yes. The only interesting thing is that he's got a rookie with him. There's no sense really that this is a particularly extraordinary day for Dredd. This is just what he faces every day. And that's such a unique approach. You know, it's something that in an industry where they're, you know, executives are constantly going, mm, but we need, we want the stakes to be higher, yeah. that they've just chosen to be just like, no, the stakes are high enough in an average day in Mega City <laughs> 1. And, and, and part of the cool of, of Judge Dredd is that he's never faced by anything. So it doesn't matter if the world's ending because his reaction is going to be exactly the same. It's going to be, well, I'm going to shoot a bunch of people and that'll take care of it <laughs> without sounding weird the idea that when you do a grounded story about cops you end up with things like sicario and suddenly mm, yes. huge set pieces although there are some huge scenes in that film don't need to be huge to make them really fucking terrifying. And I think Dredd really taps into that quite nicely. When they were originally ballparking the idea of a Dredd movie, Alex Garland started work on a couple of scripts that were much bigger. Oh, yeah. He thought about doing, I think, Dark Judges and I think Cursed Earth, which are the mm. two He's, of He the started big... off, his first draft was Judge Death, from what yeah. I understand. And then, as you said, Tim, his exact words were, no, we're going to tell a day in the life of... Yeah. John Dredd. Of which there are loads of great stories in the Judge Dredd comics. Because the weird thing with um, how Judge Dredd works for people not familiar, 2080 is published weekly. Oh yeah, um, this is a thing. So you get six pages of story a week. And it's an anthology comic. So it's a 30-page comic and there are like five stories in every issue. So some of these stories, you know, there are Judge Dredd arcs and sometimes a storyline might run for, you know, a whole year and you'd get something approaching the length of American comic book yeah. stories but often that means that you will have a story that is just a one shot or a brief story that runs over three issues which means it will be like 18 pages long or even six pages long so there are plenty of really good a day in the life judge dread stories in that canon anyway yeah. and in fact the first year of the comic is pretty much just a day in the life of judge dread stories they don't get into the arcs thing until much later like a TV series with Monster of the Week until you know what you actually have for an arc in season two kind of thing. Yeah. So we've kind of hinted at some of the 
potential, I guess, expansion of that world and universe. Alec, you just mentioned Cursed Earth and Dark Judges, which are two of the kind of the most famous Dread stories. So what would we like to see from Dread 2? How would you guys like to see that universe carried on and expanded into the next story for that version of Dread? Do you think Dark Judges is the next place to go? Or is that too much of a leap from the grounded? Like you said, Garland had that as a first draft, but it was too much of a leap without setting up the universe first. For the um, Dark Judges, you do need to have set up the side division, which you kind of have with Anderson, so you could go into it if you're careful with it. Into that, haven't they? Yeah. But yeah. I think it would be hard to go straight into, here's all the Dark Judges and you're all fucked. I think you'd need something a bit smaller, again, into, to build into, up to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd yeah. imagine, yeah. If not, you end up like the bloody Marvel Universe now. Yeah. Where do they go for after Thanos? Exactly, you know? yeah. I don't know if I would want to see them doing Dark Judges at all. And as I said, something that I liked, and I say this as a fan of the comics, but something I liked about Dread is that I thought it really captured the essence of the character and the heart of the story without being too slavish to the right. comics. To me, I like that more grounded take on Dread as a character. I think that it's uh, cinematically, I think it works really well. And I'm not sure if doing the more silly side of Judge Dredd, which at point leans into kind of, you know, Monty Python meets A Clockwork Orange, much as, I, much as I hate <laughs> those kind of analogies. It's, oh, yeah. I would like to see them establish some parameters for the Judge Dredd cinematic universe, if you will. You, you obviously have some of those more sci-fi concepts established because you have Judge Anderson of Psy Division, in there but i would like to keep that more grounded and to keep that to a minimum there is a judge dread story that i think is ripe for adaptation here it's often like on the second tier list of the best dread stories ever written but i would argue that it's one of the top ones which is a storyline called the pit john wagner after he went off the comic briefly he comes back in 96 and it's his first storyline when he comes back and it is essentially police procedural mega city one where judge dread is assigned as the division chief for the roughest precinct in Mega City One that's full of corruption and has to clean it up. And Dread really takes a almost a backseat. He's in it, mm. but it's as much about the characters that we see around Dread mm. as it is about Dread and how their stories interweave. Brooklyn Nine Nine, but Mega City Nine Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Mega City Nine Nine. Nine Nine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So what you're saying is not werewolves yet. <laughs> yeah, give give it a bit. <laughs> We've mentioned it already that The Raid came out the same year with more or less the same premise. And obviously that has had a sequel, which really opened up its world and went bigger while still feeling like it belonged in the same world. I think there is a way to do that without, like we say, leaping straight to the Dark Judges and, and stuff like that. And I think that you have such a great dynamic between Dredd and Anderson that almost kind of doing another case of the week, so to speak, but something that gets them out into the world. And so you establish Mega City 1 a bit more, you build up a bit more of a cast of characters with some other judges and, you know, the criminals that they run into and all those kind of things. And I'd like to see some of the more of the satire brought in. And I think, yeah, you could get a really compelling seven, but in Mega City One or something. Oh, and, and you would have strong characters and it's such a strong world, both from the comics and the version that we see in Dread that I think you could tell there's such an, a multitude of stories that you could tell there. A, a TV series would work equally well. 
I think the only thing you have to be, well, there are many things you have to be careful with, but the big thing you have to be careful with, something that this version of Dread got really right, was the character development for Judge Dread is glacial. Almost Whereas yeah. in mm -hmm. Judge Dread 1995, Judge Dread has a whole arc where he's like, maybe being so uh. strict about the law isn't such a good thing. Um, <laughs> Said Homer Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I need to channel my feelings. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's not, you know, yeah. that that's why it doesn't ring true to the character is because he's much softer and much more sympathetic. Whereas just dread the entire yeah, point of that fucking this character. hardened totalitarian verging on totalitarian lawman. And it's yeah. the thing that they did get right in dread 2012 is he has a character arc because, you know, characters still have to have arcs, but it's a tiny mm. arc in it's a glacial development in terms of his character this where, person is useless oh maybe they're not useless it's not she'll do well so she's a pass mm. yeah. it's like the upturned smile of a, a clint eastwood moment like ah oh, he has an emotional heart it's like, does he mm. if you know what to look for <laughs> yep the, the creases are creasing slightly differently yay yeah. but it's that weird thing where, where he essentially goes i believe that there are the rules and the rules should never be broken this person bent a rule a little bit. I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let it go this time. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's essentially... Yes. So yeah. The thing people don't get is that Judge Dredd isn't like a good guy, really, is he? None oh, of them are, all. you no, know. No, no, As no. Uh, Tim said precisely early on, it's American society viewed through this sort of British satirical lens, and the judges are literally fascists, and they do not run things well, and there's a big undercurrent of all the ridiculous problems in Mega City 1 are actually caught by the way it's run. This is also something they have to be careful with because one of the big Judge Dredd stories is a story called America, which is oh. the story that really establishes the idea that it's in a totalitarian yeah. society. Yeah. And I worry that if they go down that route and making that much more explicit, if it's too on the nose, you're going to really have like an audience drop off as people struggle to relate with that character. So I think you have to put that in there, but it needs to be in the in the background. Yeah, I more think. subtle than yeah. just, yeah. What was the story where they were they were democracy campaigners? Democracy now? That's um America. Oh, that is America, yeah. is it? Oh, they I've keep, got them mixed they up. They keep yeah. coming back. To I was going to say. Is that the one that ends with the judges literally framing one of the campaigners? That's oh. one of the sequels. That's yeah. not uh, the original okay. story. Yeah, yeah, I've got them many mixed up in my head over the years. Which is the nature of an ongoing anthology that <laughs> never going, reboots and constantly going, just yes. carries on. Absolutely. It's been going weekly for 41 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's all canonical. No reboots here. Thank you very oh, much. Yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar with the strip, he ages in real time as well. So. Yeah. The dread we now read in 2008 is 41 years older than he was when the strip started in 1977. Like so he's 70 years old, and yes. he's probably going to die soon, yep. and they're going to have they're, to deal they're, with they're the hinting at his death that. like imminently. So yeah. We're saying about the nature of the character of Dread, because if you think about the character grid RPG D&D sort of mindset, he is the definition of a lawful neutral. The law above all the, 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 the law in his eyes above Nothing everything. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. His law. own personal safety, his own personal interests. But there are no personal interests. He is literally a bastion of what he believes to be the law. Strange enough, in terms of what I'd like to see from a sequel, I'm really, really on the fence about this because Tim brought up the raid too. I don't really like the raid. Too. I didn't like the raid too either. I thought it was just me. I no no. We, we, I Ramirez, <laughs> <laughs> my old friend Stuart Ashton. It's it's certainly not as good as the first one. I didn't much care for it, but at the same time, I feel like 
I'm a, a hungry, nerdy fan. Like, Dread was amazing. I want more Dread. And then I'd see it and go, no, that's not what I meant. And it's the nature of escalation where they'd have to do something else. If I was writing it, I would say, well, part of me would want to do some sort of like political story where there'd be some sort of huge thing with the judges themselves and saying, sort of shine the, the mirror and saying, look, half of these fuckers are corrupt and useless. Because they hint at that. There's the corrupt dread, judges yeah. in Dread, aren't they? Exactly. In, uh, kind of like... You know, that kind of notion and take apart the universe before rebuilding it when you have to come together for a third film, which would probably be a version of Judge Death. But at the same time, have you guys seen the animated Judge Dread Super Fiend? The um, Adi Shankar one. Yes, the yeah, animated yeah. one. Yeah, because I think that's quite interesting. The half an hour animated film, very much in the sort of Ren and Stimpy style of it's very visceral. And in the opening sequences, it, Judge in Question says, I'm, I've got this guy that he's attempted to rape someone. It's like, you know, 20 years is the maximum sentence. Uh, right, she might be underage. It's only another five years. And he turns around, shoots the victim. She's dead. He goes, okay, now then yeah, you can do what you like. It's a brilliant. It's quite interesting little animated show. I, I, I'd recommend it as an interesting sequel. But I'd like the idea, much like you said about Dread being a secondary character, it would be nice to sort of split off and follow the other side of what it means to be a judge. But again, I could easily watch that film and say, don't like it. So I'm on the fence about that one. One thing I would like to see, assuming that a sequel did expand the world and have a, a bigger cast and stuff, and in the spirit of Judge Dredd being a British approach to American culture, is to have the Dredd franchise become almost like the Harry Potter or Game of Thrones, and it becomes sort of like a clearinghouse for great British character actors. Oh, <laughs> which yeah. it, you know, like, of, of the tiny cast that Dredd has, you have Lena Headey as Mama, and she's terrifying in that, and Domhnall Gleeson who are two very great actors in a cast that basically has about seven named speaking parts. Uh, I think I would enjoy seeing a bunch of talented Brits doing... So imagine of... an old fucking Terence Stamp being a judge. Oh. Fuck me. He'd make a good chief judge. Oh, yeah. yes. chief judges over the years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Damn it, Tim! <laughs> Could we get now Maggie Smith as Magruder? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is gold! Yeah. And there's always been... They were constantly referenced actors and actresses and yes. things in Judge yeah. Christ, there's Judge Barbara Hershey, for God's yeah. sake. By the time they made the film, Barbara Hershey was kind of too old to be Judge Hershey, so it had to be a different character. But uh, oh, I've forgotten that, yeah. Didn't they do like a... Well, they've done a lot of um, political reflections, but they had a Farage character who was... Bilious Barrage. Yeah, so <laughs> perfectly... You, you gave me the copy of 2018. Yeah, I did, yeah. Toothy and on the nose. And just, yeah, it's genius. So, I mean, one I'd like to see um, plotline-wise is Chief Judge Cal, yes. where okay. something that was obviously based on Caligula uh, yes. manages to take over the minds of uh, various key people yeah. in the Justice Department and essentially install himself as Chief Judge, but he is a complete lunatic, going back to the Caligula thing. Cool. Like a more realistic take on that or taking yeah. sort of yeah, buffing off some of the that. edges but the problem is these days people just look at it and say well you're just pointing fun at Trump there aren't you can't have satirical politicians anymore because they really exist yeah would you keep his uh, sidekick goldfish yeah. uh, Judge Fish will Caligula made his horse a senator didn't he in Satartus <laughs> why the fuck do I know the name of Caligula's horse <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going to come useful in a in a pub quiz somewhere down the line I've, I've seen Slumdog yeah. Millionaire that shit is useful at some yeah, point there we are <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a famous horses around. Come on. Come on. Alexander the Great. Uh, uh, Bucephalus. Yes. <laughs> What's Don Quixote's horse? Oh, there's a good one. Shit, I've forgotten now. Dave. That's the one! <laughs> Davo. Who had Copenhagen? Was that? Oh, shit. 
was that N- not Napoleon? Was it? Or? No. Uh, uh, those, well, those of you, those welcome to horse talk. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to horse qualities. Oh, can you imagine? We talk about John Wick, for example. Can you imagine Judge Dredd on a horse? Oh, I can't. It <laughs> must have happened at some point. Yeah, in the cursed earth. Are or there something. horses in Mega City One? No, there are horses in the wasteland. There's mutant horses in the wasteland. Because speaking of cursed earth, that would probably be my pick for the obvious choice for a sequel because it doesn't go crazy batshit. Transdimensional judges from the dimension of death looking to eliminate life and all that kind of stuff. It goes for like let's expand the world. So for those of you who don't know, cursed earth is I think it's the West Coast Mega City. Two gets a virus called Tutti Fruity because oh yeah, two thousand AD. But it's literally like the number two and yes, then the letter two, T. Two T yeah. through in brackets but, T. But doesn't everybody that have it run around going two T fruity, two T yes. fruity? Yes, in big spiky bubbles and yeah. in the um, comics, yeah. And so the the West Coast city gets infected, and the scientists in Mega City One come up with a cure, and the only way to get it there is to send a group of judges across the wasteland through the middle of America. America, hence the cursed earth because the rest of it is an apocalyptic wasteland and they meet a satanic tyrannosaurus rex called satanus which yep. is just he's a clone of obviously because they've, they've now cloned evil dinosaurs in the wasteland as and you do sentient aardvark as well yes <laughs> indeed sentient alien aardvark <laughs> don't call rob schneider that but i think <laughs> But I think there's a way to do that without sentient aardvarks that would actually kind of work. And you mentioned things like Logan, this this journey movie. No, you've completely nailed it. You, you get like these um, half a dozen judges mm. going across the desert and just trying to survive. Yeah, you, you going take through America. the bottle you can, episode, make it a journey ground, episode. You can yeah. ground that shit. in that it is one mission, east coast to west coast. You don't have to do crazy shit. It, it was kind of key. It was what, early 80s, Alec? It's late 70s. Late 70s. Yeah, okay, and it's yeah. the first big Judge Dredd arc. You'd had Judge yes. Rico before that, yeah. but this was the first like it's mega... It's the first one that kind of expands the universe out. It's the first yeah. time you see outside of Mega City 1 to any sort of extent, and it establishes Mega City 2, which comes in later in the comics as well, and other judges have spun off and gone in the West Coast City 2 and stuff like that. It does a really good job of building the universe without going fucking ballistic and going straight to the totalitarian government stuff. You just need six people crossing the desert. Bang, you've got your story. I approve of that. That's the sequel I want to see, Jack. <laughs> Wednesday episode because um, yeah bottle episode, yeah. episode into uh, road episode is fucking genius plus dinosaurs plus maybe and um, <laughs> but also in the way that we've got Mad Max we could sell it that way it's, yes it works it, it's, yeah it's Mad Max Fury Road fuck but, me but I would Dredd. like to see a bit more of Mega City 1 before we go outside it though okay thank you Stuart we can come back to Mega City 1 for the third one against the Dark Judges we've mentioned Mad Max as something that you could pull on there the two things that came to mind because I'm not a Judge Dredd reader I'd, I'd heard of the Cursed Earth but I didn't know what it was about was The Road and oh yes and talking of satirical British action films Children of Men Yes. Oh, Ooh. now we're talking. I can see Clive Owen in Dread 2. I'll be okay with yeah, that. Was- Michael Caine, yeah. of course. Yeah, um, yeah. Michael as Caine Wal- as, as Walter the Robot. <laughs> <laughs> as as Satanus. Master Dread, I've been very busy ironing your shirt. You have not bloody noticed because you've been out fighting bloody crime, you fascist prick. <laughs> Milton's the size of tangerines. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> 
Cursed Earth, the other advantage of that as a storyline is that you've got the Angel Gang being a yes. very mm, compelling yes. chase movie in the style of something like, like Mad, Mad Max, Max where yeah. they are continually being followed and to make them a focal point. Because I think there's a way to do the Angel Gang and make them... Not the 1995 version. Yeah, <laughs> you can tone them down enough. You'd probably have to tone down Mean Machine. He's the... Yeah. He's well, the um, oh, yeah. It's like a massive claw for an arm and some sort of yeah. dial. The dial in his head that changes his emotional state because yeah, yeah. he wasn't evil enough or something. Yeah. So they <laughs> surgically altered machine. him. Yeah. But there's there's a way to do that and that could be quite an interesting grounding point if you actually had it as a chase movie running across the... Um, I'm not saying our pitch for Mulan 2, but I'm kind <laughs> of saying <laughs> our pitch for no, Mulan stagecoach 2. Stagecoach is a good example point yeah. to do it. This on a a Judge Dredd stagecoach movie yeah. would, in The Cursed Earth would, yeah. be, uh, would be great. Going back to Judge Dredd and Mad Max. I feel like there's some weird linked territory between Mean Machine Angel and Nux from Fury Road. I feel like mm, you could yes. you could do a similar sort of thing there. Obviously, George Miller's take on Dread. Oh yeah, God, damn! <laughs> that'd be interesting. I, that I, that I, would, I would be Mad Max. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very clearly influenced by all that. Yes. To it's, be honest, I would quite like to see Alex Garland stay on as mm, director because, yeah. as it recently came out, it turns out Pete Travis, who was credited as director no. probably wasn't as involved as was suggested by all the marketing and stuff mm. and actually alex garland not only wrote the thing produced the thing sounds like he kind of directed it oh, as he, well. Uh, urban like, said he did yeah basically. very much so carl urban says something along the lines of like he met pete travis like half a dozen times whereas alex garland was there day in day out every shot everything like that's yeah, a callback to our poltergeist episode toe pooper mm. and um mm. exactly Spielberg. yes absolutely and if you're making an entire film and you're the star who's in nearly every scene and you only meet the director a handful <laughs> of times he ain't the director nope. <laughs> it's interesting because garland's been interviewed quite a few times about this and th this is kind of a uh, getting on the idea of you know will there ever be a dread too sort of thing i guess and the answer i think from garland's mouth and everyone else's nope Never for multiple years. reasons. Yes. And I love Alex Garland as a director. I find the things he tends to work on fascinating. In an interview, he said that he'd been reading Dread since he was like 10 or something. And for me, that was interesting because my first comics were Judge Dread and Punisher. And then I've got into Marvel and DC that way. Dread was my first thing to get into. And I remember the first thing I sketched out as a kid was this Dread ripoff kind of person. And Garland's gone on to do obviously Ex Machina and great success with that. And then Annihilation. But more importantly, still won't happen because Garland continues to this day to get screwed over on projects because mm. Annihilation is a fucking brilliant film I love Annihilation but the fact it wasn't given an international release it's just put on Netflix be fine yeah and yeah. all because I said oh we don't really think it'll work can we just change it it's like it's fuck a bit, you it's a bit too it. high concept it's got women in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> women and plants don't understand mm. um, no. I got a face another face oh no <laughs> <laughs> screaming like a woman why, why is everybody um, Richard Iowadi in um, dark in place dark place yeah. yeah because that's how I see most producers <laughs> wasn't like... Garland linked to the Neil Blomkamp Halo yeah at one yes. point yeah. he was yes yep whether we will see Dread 2 depends on a couple of factors at the moment. Number one, what happens with this proposed Judge Dredd television series? That's the elephant in the room, currently being worked on. Supposedly um, called Mega City 1, yeah. like, or Dread colon Mega yeah. City yeah. 1 or something And whether like that. that ends up being a sequel to the movie, whether that's a reboot. I know there's been some murmurings about whether Carl Urban's going to be reprising the role or he not. He said he's very much up for it. Yeah. Mm. Whether that means anything to producers, yeah. who knows? The money is the key thing. 
anything there if, yeah. if you're going to be able to pay him enough to exactly. draw him away from films. And the other thing is, we've just had the announcement not that long ago of a Road Trooper movie directed by Duncan Jones. Mm. Yes, so course, if yeah. we get that and that ends up being a success, does that open the door to more 2000 AD properties and to a potential return to Dread? The interesting thing there, of course, is to clarify, 2000 is not a shared universe. No. None of the characters in those strips yeah. really For the most cross part, over. A couple yeah. of them do, but yeah. yes, yeah. Literally so, a handful of them have but ever you crossed over in you wouldn't have judged Dredd, years. You wouldn't have judged Dredd showing up in Rogue Trooper. There isn't like a, there isn't like a 2000 AD equivalent to the Avengers. So you wouldn't get a cinematic universe there. But it might create renewed interest. Mm. Does this mean we can finally get a Ballad of Halo Jones miniseries? Oh my god, I that, like, mm. that's one of the few 2000 AD properties where I have read that when I think I was 17 and I was just like, oh my god, mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see a Future Shocks Ooh, anthology yeah. series as well. I have, a, I have a question. We talked about Carl Urban, whether he'd come back or not. He seems willing, but, you know, money may be an issue and time may be an issue, you know, scheduling and stuff like that. Does anyone have any ideas for who they would like if he can't come back to step into the Daniel helmet? Radcliffe. Toya Dread. Wilcox. <laughs> Alec Plowman. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm just in a callback to last <laughs> week. <laughs> surely, surely Rupert Grint would be the Harry Potter alum. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I mean, thing is, on paper, I can understand why Stallone was picked. Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic casting yeah. until he sticks his fingers in the script and fucks it all about Completely. into a big and mud his pile. And takes his bloody helmet off. Yeah. Carl Urban, great fucking choice. I would never have thought like, you know what? Carl Urban would make a great Judge Dredd. Yeah. I'd never yeah. thought that a million years ago, like, fuck me. I wouldn't have thought he'd off. make a good fucking Leonard McCoy either. Right? Though, but yeah. Mm. I mean, he's surprisingly good in basically everything. It's good character uh, moments. I'm not going to lie. Okay, and this may be... Oh, no, no. I'll have to think about this. No, fuck it. I don't have to think about it. I think the obvious choice is an old ass grizzly dread played by Brian Cranston. Oh, for me, mm. I'm going to say Brian Glover, and I was on Brian. Board. I thought you yeah. said Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> I am the law. Hello, this is Steph Chizik. Twenty years creep. Yeah. It's just the chin, Rasta. but there's also this giant beard. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. <laughs> a moment when uh, Rob Schneider holds his hand up and to Stallone's face, and of course, in this case, it's blessed and sees this enormous beard. Oh wait, it's you! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Don't tell anyone that I'm Judge Dredd. <laughs> I'll be in bloody trouble. <laughs> right, can we just ADR dread with Brian Blessed <laughs> <laughs> quotes, please? Mama's not the law. I am the law. <laughs> Are you ready? You look ready. <laughs> She's a pass. What? She's a pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I need this in my life. Yeah. Can we just do oh. bad impressions of people and recast? <laughs> so dread one. So much peak. I think it's less about who I'd like to see because also oh, I can't remember his name who's the South African guy in Chappie and Charlton Copley exactly I think he could be quite interesting she said South African guy I was like I assume it's yeah there's, <laughs> there's one actor a minute from South Africa yeah but he'd be quite directed interesting directed by Neil Blomkamp <laughs> yeah actually Again, the I first okay one was all shut in Johannesburg, so yeah. it kind of makes sense. But as much as I try and think of an interesting one, like oh, well, maybe Michael Shannon would be quite interesting. Oh yeah, because he's so unfucking compromising. That I hate Michael Shannon. And and Jack, How can hates you hate him? Michael Shannon? He's not good in most things I've seen him in. 
Jack hasn't seen anything. You so, mean, yeah. mean going to have a falling out? Mm, one of my least favorite actors. I'd probably think. At the same time, and this is kind of it's a good segue, I would find it interesting because I can think more of people they would cast who I'd be like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like <laughs> Charlie Hunnam. And I'd be like, nope. Don't, don't care for that. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Henry fucking Cavill's mustache. Nope. He's yeah. got a big old chin. He was okay on Mission Impossible 6, but nope, nope. The more I um, think about it, Michael Shannon does look exactly like Judge Dredd's low of half head. the face. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. Tim Allen. Oh. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, I fell with that one. Tim Brooke Taylor. Tim Maytom. Oh, no. I'm the law. <laughs> that impression of yourself? <laughs> that That's work? as meta as it gets, guys. Hello, I'm me. <laughs> to me, the worst possible outcome, and this is going to sound maybe a little bit harsh, and also I welcome, I welcome the internet's fucking fury and rage. It'd be Tom fucking Hardy oh, doing fuck a, yeah. a stupid fucking oh, voice. No way, no way. I, I'm the law. And it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, it's fine. His venomy nonsense. You just listed two of my most hated acts. <laughs> Tom Hardy's number one. I fucking can't stand There's Tom something Hardy. Something has happened to the Tom Hardy reason. I used to really like Tom Hardy. They ooh, something with Tom Hardy. And now I see Tom Hardy be cast. And I'm like, oh. What voice is he going to bring out today? Yeah, it's just all oh, got a bit. mumbly, stupid fucking yeah. accent is he going to come As up with this time? a man who loves a silly voice, I, I, I'm quite I, partial. I, I still think he's a fantastic talent, but mm. I think he's been pigeonholed, shall we say, into projects that he just wants to do, and which Brown is mostly with a bit too much. Probably from mm. yeah, people around him, yeah. But it's, it's mostly shoulder and neck acting of the East End, like hello. It just all walks <laughs> up <laughs> from Bronson onwards. It's been oh, you missed out there, listeners. That was some good. <laughs> that was some good shoulder action. But listeners, please do watch Lock, a film where it's just him in a car with a Welsh accent for an hour and a half. Again, it's a voice, it's though, isn't it? Very, it's very, very good. good. I do like Lock. I would really like to see Carl Urban come back to that I role. Do. I oh, think, God, I think yes, you would yeah. be missing it. You would miss a trick not getting him back. And I would like to see Olivia Thrillby return oh, yeah. as yeah, Judge absolutely. Anderson. That casting worked really well. And I don't know what route they're going to go down with the TV series because I think it's highly possible that it just won't. So a little bit of boring nonsense and admin for you, dear listener. Rebellion, the video game company, bought out 2018 and 2000, I want to say. Yeah. So it's now owned by this company. And they're the ones behind the Mega City 1 TV series that may or may not happen or whatever is going to happen with it. And that's fine. Last year, there was an interview with, I think, one of the producers of the TV series. And, things, and they, they got Mark Stern, I want to say. And he's the guy who worked on things like Stargate Atlantis and, most importantly for me, the Battlestar Galactica remake. Mm. And because he's involved, and I don't know if he still is, but if he was of a, he was of a time, certainly, that kind of visual look, that sort of dark and gritty. <laughs> no, taking a property and then grounding it in a sort of semblance of reality, but also making an earnest sense of tension and reality and, and a bit of a bit of danger to it. I think it could work really nice. But then also, they work with a lot of sci-fi channel stuff, and sci-fi yeah. is notorious for taking some interesting properties and ideas and producing fucking Krypton. I can picture Mega Ooh, City is that as bad as it looks? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. This, is, this is one of the big problems that you have with Dread, though, is that unfortunately doesn't have the clout uh, because it's kind of under the radar that you could turn around to Netflix and go, 13 episodes of Judge Dread, let's go. You would want to see Netflix or AMC or somebody like that pick it up. You would want to see someone like that pick it up, but whether or not that would happen and whether you would get a show that does it justice, I don't know. I can imagine Mega City one being on sci-fi I can also imagine it being on HBO but I can imagine hating like, one liking another well yeah exactly <laughs> exactly there is room for it to possibly appear on you know your, your HBO's AMC's and stuff like that now because there's 
such a proliferation of these digital channels and that, genre tv shows in general yeah the fact that we have know. the krypton exists yes is yeah. madness yeah there's a fuck about that show you know you've Low got superman, <laughs> superman prequel <laughs> what mm. starring his granddad oh, yeah God. you've got your hbo goes you've got your netflixes you've got your amazon primes you've got uh hulu you've got apple are doing more original content facebook literally today their watch thing which is their video streaming thing just went worldwide yeah. there's all these things that are looking for content and dread may not be a household name but it's still a name mm. and also you look at netflix and stuff it's taken a lot of risks on stuff like orange is the new black and a whole bunch of uh, sense eight and stuff like this and concepts where they had talent behind them and i think showrunner matters you know a lot yes. in terms of this Absolutely. kind of thing and it, it's such a strong concept to go back to when we were you know talking about what makes dread the film and dread as a property great so much meat there that i think a smart channel or platform or whatever you want to call them nowadays mm. could see the benefit of that and do the kind of yeah we're going to give this 13 episodes we're going to give it a decent budget and, and the way alec mentioned sort of the way the comic works is, is so many standalone stories which then ticks over for like the season arc which has worked on arrow and the flash and that whole like cw verse thing so well oh here's a little thing you're like what's that is that gorilla grod like, mm -hmm. maybe there's just a helmet in the yeah. corner there and be like yeah. Why is there a helmet in a cage? That's weird. And then Gorilla Grodd is the big bad guy for like season five or whatever. They're like years down the line. You're like, ah, oh, you set that up nicely. And you could have those little procedural things and there's just hints to like him just talking about the wasteland. Oh, now the next season is Cursed Earth. And you can build to those big story arcs by doing kind of procedural. Which also means we don't have the budget for now, but we'll cover it later when we Exactly, do. yeah. You do a bunch of smaller things and then, oh shit, here's the budget for season finale or the last three episodes are a big continued story arc or something like that. Not to be the voice of cynicism and pessimism, and as I see it, realism, I don't think any of that will happen. I think Mega City 1 might happen, but I think we'll end up with a sci-fi show that'll be like, ah, fuck. And I think the problem is that Dread is cursed. Straight up fucking cursed. Because there's an interesting short, I think like six minute long, maybe five minute long little piece but on, on YouTube by um, Adi Shankar, the, the producer of Dread, where he very bluntly explains why there probably won't be any more Dread stuff. And it's very, uh, quite clinical in a way. And it just explains that the domestic, the international and the subsidiary rates are all that dictate from a monetary side of things, mm. how films get made. And if your profit isn't going to meet those, then it isn't going to fucking made. And he explains that's why so many shit films get put through because they think, well, we can save it with this kind of actor we can save this kind of director whatever that's fine but dread already formers perfect example completely mm. but dread has three problems with it one a 1995 film that just about made its money back two a 2012 film that just about made its money yeah, back yeah, yeah. and three and almost kind of the weird thing here the fan base really really want it and there's like this sort of very really hungry from the we're doing this fucking thing right now we want to see more dread we're great yeah okay we got, we're five people here we'll buy three or four dvds of the film just to push the sales which alex garland says thank you so much but save your fucking money because people who are looking for those kind of algorithms don't care about that one specifically and most importantly if you've got say like there's a petition to get dread going it's got 200,000 fucking people it's like that's cool but that's nothing on a budget mm -hmm. they saw 45 million as a people. flop yeah this is a thing that needs to have mainstream appeal yeah. which is a very hard thing to sway with a thing that's already had in the public's eyes two big failures this is where we come back once again to rogue trooper 
because I yes. think that if Rogue Trooper That's a real test, isn't it? Does, I, think. Yeah. I think that will be the litmus test for 2000 AD properties in cinema in the future. And I think that if Rogue Trooper does well, then I think that it's not unfeasible that we might see a return to Dread down the line, possibly after a Strontium Dog or after a Halo Jones, but that you might see those 2000 AD properties being explored. I do also think, while I agree with you that Dread in the cinema might be dead in the water, television is a very different market yeah. and it's a very new market like i said we've it's got a booming genre yeah. superhero sci-fi thing going on at the moment yeah. yeah so i i don't see it as beyond the realms of possibility i just see it as being a question of how they approach it would you say it's fair to say this is possibly an iron man turning moment where marvel as a studio putting out certain things and if you think of like you know the 90s punisher sort of stuff with Dolph lundgren then you get to the sort of blade era stuff and then suddenly iron man's coming out we got really hoping this will do interesting mm-hmm. so we can do some big things later in that, not saying that it'd be literally an MCU, but more in the sense of like, this will kickstart something bigger. Is that I, what th- I think for? it was interesting that it was Duncan Jones as well, mm. because oh. I would say that he's a bit more of a name than Garland was, even though Garland was known as a writer mm. at this point, I would say. But then Duncan Jones also did Warcraft, which didn't do very Actually, well Warcraft at all. Did great in China. Did, so. it, yeah. did yeah. insanely was, well in China. That was something yeah. I was going to bring up, actually, uh, talking about kind of reality and, and the future versions of it, is that... They have to you be know, China friendly. Yes, yeah, basically. Yeah. So uh, you can see it in so many films now that they're bringing on Chinese companies as financers and they're making concessions to China and stuff like that. Edited scene in Iron Man 3 where he like goes and yeah. hangs out with the Chinese yes, ambassador yeah, for like five stuff. minutes and he's like, yeah. hey, Mr. Chang, and he's like... Hey, Tony, for like five minutes for no reason. And one, I have no idea what the ratings consideration is like in China, whether Ooh, hard R versus, you know, PG-13 stuff, yeah. how that does. I assume they're pretty strict on that, but, but I wouldn't, but, I don't know. I'd also be interested to see if there's a lot of visions of the future where, you know, you take something like Blade Runner, where it brings in a lot of Asian culture and, and kind of fuses it and you get these great metropolises that, that feel like massive melting pots. I'd be interested if we see see a mega city one that's a little bit more like that mm. to broaden the international appeal especially I, I, in asia yeah. take the focus away from america and kind of broaden out a little yeah. Bit. yeah one thing about a big financing from from asia in general for me personally as a very greedy film fan it's like oh look more diverse casts yay i have no problem in the same way that's like brilliant more people of color great and not i don't want to i don't give a shit if the the internet suddenly says oh look at those dirty sjw's but seriously there are really phenomenal actors everywhere and i don't need to see scarlett johansson over and over and over, <laughs> and over, and over constantly oh, why don't we cast her as judge dread why can't she be judge dread yeah that's a fair yeah. point just black her up fuck make my life judge <laughs> <laughs> i think dread 2012 was a middle budget film that's the other weird thing about it in an industry where you don't really get those anymore because yeah. the way that margins are Especially it has the, to the marvel cinematic universe yeah so you know well yeah well into that that's yeah same year as avengers because it's actually two months after avengers it might be that you don't need to make a movie that appeals to china if you are not putting all the money into it in the first place because you can do a smaller domestic return or a smaller you know certain regions return that is still gonna that's the weird thing with dread is that it's such an anomaly of a film just in terms of how it was made not just tonally and thematically but this kind of independent comic book movie at a time when those don't really exist anymore because they are all being made by the big major players yeah for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to then make a 
billion dollars back. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. On a budget of 30 million, which was cheap in like 1990. <laughs> that's, you know. It's yeah, an no, achievement. Yeah. And it's interesting because this is kind of the problem. If you take things like the transition of this person has done an insanely good job with a next to no budget film or a very, very low budget film, let's give them all the money. It's like, no, 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 no. They need to trial themselves on a mid-budget midfield. And you end up with Trevor's and Tranks and other characters. They're like, oh no, they made a, a shit film. It's like, no, they were put in a studio environment with too much money and, and a very individual, independent feel. And like when you put Gilliam in a certain film environment, it oh, doesn't God, go yeah. well because they work better in a fringe. Just give them more money than they had previously. And as much as it's a weird example to use, Kevin Smith... He mm. starts with literally no money, credit card money, gets a bit of studio money, gets a taste of it, and is never given, even with like Jay and Silent Bob, which I just would say was one of his biggest budgets, never given huge studio money for anything. And it keeps everyone A, hungry and lean. Also keeps it very interesting in terms of very inventive sort of filmmaking. But it doesn't just go, oh, you'll make tons of money for us here have a huge budget mm. and then produce something that cost us tons of money and was shit. I have a question that I would like to pose to uh, Mr. Alec and Mr. Jack, as you are Judge Dread men. <clears throat> so, Dread film, as I may have already mentioned, I liked it quite a lot. But there is one point where I think Jud where Judge Dread himself feels slightly off character. Because, of course, as Judge Dread says, I am the law. But, of course, that is his tragedy as well as his strength, because not only does that mean he dispenses the law and he chooses the law and who's guilty and all that and literally executes him, but that's all he is. There's nothing beyond the law. You know, he doesn't take his helmet off because there's nothing bloody there, guys. At the end of the film, when Marbar is thrown through to window, mm. he dispenses the drug to her first so she experiences it more slowly. Yeah. And that always feels off to me because Judge would just shoot her, surely, and yeah. dispense justice, it's... as opposed to slightly torturing her, which would probably be against the law for the, him to do. The whole reason that he does it is that she says, it's for plot reasons, because she says, I've got this thing hooked up to my heart. If my heart stops when I am within 50 metres of oh, this, yeah, yeah. then it explodes. The whole idea is that by taking the drug, it slows down her heart so she doesn't have a heart attack. And yeah. Oh, so the drug she... slows your heart yeah, down? Yeah. I slows thought it just rate. slowed yeah. down perception. Did it actually establish that? I think so. I, I, but so. I think that the, there is... Yeah. I can't remember the specifics, but there's some reason established that he does it because it stops See, the, I've never I picked up on a reason. Yeah. 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 Oh. I'm not sure if it's ever explicitly stated. It stops the bomb from going off yeah. because she gets him in a no-win situation because she says, if you kill me, then everybody here will die. And him being judged Dread, he goes, but if I do this, this, and this, then see, my understanding was just lives. by throwing her out of the window, it gets her far enough away by the time it activates because it has a small time There's, in between. There is some comment when they're going through what slow mo does with the medical uh, guy when he talks about how it this. affects your heart yeah. rate, and it's something to do with this. That. Yeah, pleases yeah. me it is greatly. Like the one line earlier in the film it that is, it's easy to miss. That yeah. it is still uh, an interesting question, though, because you're right, and ultimately, there is the idea of the corrupt judges and the idea of like, I don't give a fuck, I'm just doing this because I want money and I, could, I like shooting people in the face. Then there's the idea of dread being the pinnacle, the, def the, the definition of the lawman. Literally, the lawman being Lawful, neutral. Completely, said, yeah. completely. But there is a sense of, for the sake of the film 
and closure for an audience and that yeah bit of vindictive spite him administering the drugs because I, I agree it's, it's definitely a plot point it does still feel out of character this individual is such a pillar of the law that I don't he think is he is the law he is the law so much so that I think I can't I can see him executing someone as a basis of the law as him executing the law quite literally but I don't see him giving drugs to people even even in a sense of like this is for the save the day this is to stop this if it's like oh I need to stop this bomb going off I'll put this child on it it's like yeah, I don't think he'd do that there I don't know are, a scenario where there are moments in the comics where he he's a pretty bad dude yeah he I yeah. Uh, to me that felt to anybody who has read the apocalypse war mm. and I won't give you the spoiler mm, but that yes. entirely feels like something okay. that Judge Dredd would do those are our thoughts on Dread, a potential sequel, the potential TV series hopefully happening. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully Mega City One does go to the right people and to the right studio and to the right channel. And it's a lot of tick boxes. That's a lot of ifs. So often that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed for all of that. But uh, yeah, if you have any ideas for Dread Two, or if you're one of those morons that doesn't like Dread then go away. We don't want to hear from you. Or one of those morons that does like Judge Dredd. Oh, God. <laughs> With every episode we have ever recorded, there is at least one person on Twitter that's like, oh, but I really like The Exorcist 2 or Highlander 2. I saw it when I was a kid, therefore it's good. No. Go and rewatch it as an adult, you fucking Unlike idiot. someone who hates Dredd and loves Judge the, Dredd. The interesting thing... They exist. They the interesting exist. thing with, men. with Judge Dredd is that it is a perfectly serviceable 90s action movie if you have no concept of what Judge Dredd is. Don't call it Judge Dredd and just call it something else. Mm. Control F, replace Dredd with like just any other name and Mega City one with any other city and it'll probably it's, work. It's, Cop Man! Uh, <laughs> as we were Axe discussing uh, just before we started recording, it's the Keanu Reeves Constantine yes where it would be Absolutely. perfectly serviceable yep. if they didn't call him that <laughs> yeah I, I I think I ended my review at the time way back when where I basically just said this film you, I was about 20 days old <laughs> 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 no um, I remember writing the review this isn't Hellblazer this is a thing entirely different and if you treat it as such it will be an enjoyable thing I don't think Judge Dredd is enjoyable but I think there are a few redeeming qualities that make it quite interesting Rob Schneider Nope. <laughs> Exclusively Rob Schneider. <laughs> who, by the way, would be my choice for Dread in Reboot Dread. What is, the, what is fucking wrong with you? Adam Sandler's and Netflix's oh, Dread. <laughs> Hear me out. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> but then, <laughs> Christopher, Plummer. Christopher Plummer. He is kind of evil. <laughs> Hear me out. Kevin James. Oh, <laughs> he's got the square face for it. He's just a brick Paul of a man. Blart Mall Judge. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph judge. Dredd Malcop, surely. Mal Judge. He's just a shit. No, you be Judge Blart. We would end up Blart with Kevin Hart and The Rock as a fucking double act we're talking iconic chins can't believe we haven't had Bruce, Bruce Campbell, Campbell. <laughs> is that a chin too far that's my yeah, guess. I think he would need to feature as a background character called Judge Chin <laughs> be like, he'd be called Judge Ash or he could do the Bruce like Forsyth character there should yeah. be a, there'd be a scene where his chin got shot off because oh, yeah. it was jutting out too far <laughs> oh uh, uh James fucking Marsden. Uh, the way he's played it on... No, it doesn't matter his chin. I mean, it's about acting. It's all um, about the chin, man. Damn it, no. That's how he got fucking George Clooney as Batman. <laughs> Clooney, oh. Clooney, Dredd. Oh, wow. His oh, wow. Could end up with something like Preacher, for example. It doesn't please everybody, but it's pretty damn good as, a, as an adaptation. I think that'd be a nice outcome for a Dredd-esque TV Would thing. it have to be like Preacher, where it's three episodes of content stretched out over ten, though? Yeah, mm -hmm. it would. If you have any ideas for Dread 2... 
email us sequelizers at gmail.com tweet at us at sequelizers as well and we will be back reasonably soon with some more inter-season slash mid-season content bridge content bridge content bridge oh, that's river, good river content yeah. Yeah. middle middle of america between mega city one and mega city two content cursed, 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 cursed con- content, cursed <laughs> content. There you go. Yep. perfect the texas city of i think surely surely we're mega city oz if we're hey, a, if we're a city yeah. in judge dread that's one i haven't heard of i know all cal hab and emerald isle and oh. brit sit mega city oz is the best city with judge bruce oh <laughs> no judge bruce, judge bruce. <laughs> fucking hell it's exactly what you think it is, listeners. Oh. Mad Max. <laughs> and you're being a bit harsh on him there, Mutant, mutant kangaroos and shit. That's yep. Tank Girl. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Oh, wait a minute. Mad Flash Max, Mad Tank Max. Girl, Judge Dredd crossover. Oh. Cinematic Universe. If only we were hinting at something that's coming next time on oh, no, the like show. I like I just shouted You were hinting, I was like, what? I'm, I'm hinting real strong about cinematic universes. I'm going to create a cinematic <laughs> universe. <laughs> Can I just say, Jack, if you were a supervillain, the hinter you would not be. <laughs> that was Obviously fun. we should stop recording, but um, I'm going to... We haven't stopped yet. To finish the episode. I did finish, No, we it. didn't. Oh! Bye. We'll see you soon (laughs) to discuss some cinematic universes. We'll leave it at that. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye. 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 We are the